Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You know, with all the craziness going on in the world right now, the sound of the shofar gives us hope. Well, in this case, it means it's time to get started, time to get ready for this time on the porch. I'm Richard Grund, and I appreciate you being here, appreciate your support and your listening and letting me know um, what the Lord's doing in your life and whether these Bible studies are helping you. This is the community part of the porch. If you don't want to be a part of that, then just go right to the sound of the second shofar. But if you'd like to and you haven't yet, you can go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you could write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. Praise reports, prayer requests, even if you don't want me to share them publicly, we can share them within the community. If you have a need, let us know. If we can help, we will. I'm believing that the Lord's about to open the conduits of his blessings so that we can do all the things beyond anything we have ever thought or imagined for the porch and for Firefall and SRT. And we talk about it here, and um, we appreciate each and every one of you. Don't forget, Firefall Network's on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe there. And if you like what you see in here, hit the button, the like button. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. As always, I never teach, preach, do anything like this without praising him. I I just really don't believe you should come into his presence without thanksgiving and praise. And I praise him, first of all, for my salvation. Without that, I don't have this. And I, you know, I don't know why that is, but the longer I'm saved, the more I think about what my life would have been like had I not made him Lord and Savior. So I do every day. I thank him for it. Thank him for my home, for my wife, son, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, all the ones that we've had and all the ones we have had and all the ones we will have. Part of the dream is to be able to have a, a ranch or a large piece of property and have more dogs and horses and mules and goats and pigs and maybe build our own ark. No, I'm just kidding about the ark part, but the other part's real. I want to be able to rescue animals, be able to help those that have been abused. I want to be a part 
of the solution, not a part of the problem. I want his kingdom here on earth to be represented properly. And so that's why I'm thankful for the provision, for the blessings, for the dreams and the visions, for living out Joel 2.28, for his healing virtues, his promises being fulfilled, the divine abiding favor that's with us each and every moment of every day because the spirit that raised him is inside of you. He's no longer an external God. He doesn't need buildings, doesn't even want them. He said, I will live in men's hearts. And that's what we have. And that's how we walk with him. And we talk with him. And we fellowship with him. I praise him for that. I praise him for the Holy Spirit that he sent back to us that talks and teaches and encourages and convicts and does all the things he was sent back to do. We are a new creation. We are definitely living in prophetic times, so we better know how to pray. Here in the porch, we start out with Psalm 122, verse 6, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Jerusalem is the apple of his eye. Israel is his nation. We are grafted into that vine. As the Bible says, there is no Jew or Gentile, but Israel is still Israel to him. Which is why in the millennium, we will be required. Well, we won't because we will have glorified bodies and already be with him in the four-square city. But those that are alive on the earth will have to go up to Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles or they won't get any rain. So it's still important to him. I pray for Israel's leadership. I pray for our leadership. Boy, do I pray for our leadership. America's in trouble, folks. I try not to talk politics, mostly because the Lord won't let me. And um, may God forgive us, shed his grace upon us. We, we really need it. But if anything, the church needs to rise up in prayer. Church needs to rise up in intercession. We need to seek his will and his word and stop putting our hopes on people. Stop putting our hopes on the politician that made the problem in the first place. My hope is on the Lord, the King of kings, Lord of lords. So I pray. I pray for all of us, people being victimized by their leadership, people that have forgotten why they were sent where they were sent, but they'll remember when they get sent at the end. I pray for them. If they can be saved, I pray that they get saved. If they can't be saved, I pray that God will deal with them accordingly. But I pray for his people, his children. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, those that are victims of injustice. I don't know about you, but I am tired of watching Hasatan and the fallen getting away with what they get away with. I'm tired of watching a church that's been empowered with all authority in heaven and earth and doing nothing with it. I'm tired of watching preachers and teachers get rich off of the flock and not doing their job. I believe he's tired of it too. So I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, for missing and exploited children, the victims of sex trafficking. If you don't see that as disgusting and diabolical, you're in the wrong place. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, both Jew and Christian, Jew and believer, the Messianic believers, who are caught in the middle and really being squeezed. I'm praying for them each and every day. I have that band on my wrist, one with them. I am one with them. 
I'm praying against the efforts of the Antichrist, who I sincerely believe is standing in the wings, watching, pulling the string, so that he can make his grand entrance. I'm going to give you a word of prophecy right now. This is what the Lord told me. He's going to allow me to tell you that in the beginning of this mess, when everything got bad, I knew that somebody will step out of the woodwork, step out of the shadows, and try to be the answer to the problem. And many people will think he's the Antichrist. And the Lord told me the first person that steps out as the Antichrist will be a decoy. It'll be the one after that one. So I'm praying that we would be ready through divine wholeness, health, and healing, getting back to our divine design. If you've been part of the problem, if you've done to yourself things you haven't done to yourself, and over the years we all have, we don't exercise, we exercise too much, we don't eat enough, we eat too much, we don't take the right supplements, or we take too many of them, whatever the case may be, if it's our fault, repent. I do. I want to be able to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. I want to be able to rise up with wings as eagles, and I mean that literally. I want to be available to him day and night, 24-7. I don't want sleep to be an issue because I get the right amount of sleep. Because he is the peace, the perfect peace that allows me to do that. So if you need divine wholeness, health and healing, whatever it is, You speak it out to him, and we will all stand in agreement that in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, that you are healed. That he is revealing to you what you need to have revealed. He's giving the answers to the questions that you've asked, and he is restoring and renewing you to better than what you were before. And if he does, not if he does, when he does, praise him. Give us a praise report. Give others encouragement. Praying for divine protection and inspiration. And I'm praying that the porch would be what it was designed to be, an alarm clock for the remnant, a meeting place for the remnant. And folks, I am sincerely telling you that I want to create places where the remnant can come together in prayer and praise and fellowship a community of believers prepared and ready for what's coming. coming. Woo. Open doors for all the projects and plans, kingdom finances for kingdom business, and for all of our lost family members and loved ones to come into the kingdom. Pray for them every day. Mention them by name. Call them into the kingdom. The only other praise report or prayer request I have is from Kim in Fort Mitchell, she always has the happy greeting. She hopes all is well. I'm doing good. Starting out my first day is Delery. Deli. What's a Delery? I don't know what the Delery is, but that's not her. A Deli Bakery Manager. I want to explain to you why I make some of these mistakes. I learned a long time ago is I don't read words and lines. I read entire paragraphs at once. And sometimes it gets a little off. Anyway, she's going to be a Delhi bakery manager tomorrow. So we bless you on your first day, Kim. So she wants to praise him for saving her soul, for everything he's given her. Most importantly, the relationship that she has with him, the guidance and the love that comes from it. She thanks him for protecting her children and her and providing for them. She says, I need you every day in my life. Father, protect the innocent all over the world and and the senseless war unfolding in Europe. 
Protect my family over there, please, as well as the porch families. So protect me, Father, as I start this new job tomorrow. Kim, we're going to pray for you right now as a community. We bless you with peace and guidance and assuredness that he is walking with you, that you deserve the position, and that you are going to do well and glorify him. And we bind the enemy from interfering with that in Yeshua's name. If you agree, just say amen. I said, I need to maintain my mental health in this demanding job. Father, save my mother's soul, my husband's soul. Since he retired, he's struggling, and he needs you. So she's praying that he finds the courage to see a counselor and start talking about things in Jesus' name. Lord, you knew all these things before I said them, and I'm already deep into the time. And what does it matter? We just want to be here with you. We're going to spend eternity with you. There'll be no watches, no clocks, no phones. We won't need them. You'll be everything. Be able to look at one another and say, brother, what time is it? It's, I don't care time. Let's go worship the Lord. Because that's what we want to do, Lord, is we want to worship you. We want to be in your presence. Father, we love you each and every day. I get up in the morning and I say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You are the reason we wake up. You are the reason we lie down. You keep our heart beating. You hold us and the universe together. So thank you. Thank you for making us your children. Thank you for sending Yeshua to pay our debt so that we could be restored to you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide us and to teach us and to do everything we need in this fallen world. So, Lord, we turn it over to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Protect us in the technology. Let whatever I say tonight be what you want me to say. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So when I got up this morning, I thought that I was going to talk to you tonight about prophecy, about eschatology, about everything going on in the world. And I sat down and I started gathering notes. And then the Lord just stepped in as he does and changed everything. We're going to talk about those things, but from a different perspective. So much of what we see happening in the world right now is prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. And as believers in Yeshua, even if you call yourself Christian, don't don't worry about that. I, I just don't. I don't use that term simply because it's become a label. And for me, he's Messiah. But as a believer, as a part of his church and a part of his body, 
We should always look at things through a spiritual filter, not a natural one, definitely not a political one, because politics is all a scam. Poly means many. Ticks are these little insects that attach to an animal and suck the life and the blood out of them. That's not the answer. They, they caused the problem. No, he's our answer. So we need to see everything through the Word and through the Holy Spirit. If we don't, we're going to fall for the deception and the misdirection. And right now, the deception and the misdirection is an overdrive. I've been creating memes for SRT on uh, Instagram and Facebook and just sharing thoughts. And I made one recently. It's, it's a picture of... Uh, the church in the background, somebody's holding a Bible, and there's a man and an ostrich with their head in the sands. And basically what it said is those who should know better don't seem to know better. And I referred to Matthew 24 in the scripture notations. But the fact is, we should know better. We should see what's going on in the world and understand because he warned us. But no matter how much The church has been warned, it isn't prepared. So go with me to Matthew 24. We've been here before, but I'm going to be tying some different things together. Bibles open, apps open, however you follow, follow. And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings, beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, and will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and become, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he or she who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Four times in Matthew 24, the Lord warns us about deception. Now is not the time to be fooled. And I will be honest with you, as my wife can confirm, I'm very frustrated by how easily his church has been deceived, been misled. Let's jump down to verse 36 of Matthew 24. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, 
you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In the days of Noah, people paid little attention to God. They were doing abominable things. We know from Genesis 6 and some of the other correlating teachings that they would have had access to. The angels, the fallen angels, the fallen watchers were in control. The earth was covered with demonic, satanic, ugly things, so much so that there was only one answer to destroy it all. But they they didn't get it. Noah preaches righteousness. He's building an ark, he and his family. And they're mocking him and laughing. They don't, they, they don't, there's no judgment for them. Eat, drink, and be merry. And when the Lord returns, that's just how it will be. Luke 17 covers it as well. And he said to the disciples, The days will come when you, you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. He's saying that when that time comes, people will long for the days when he walked the earth, but they won't see it. And they will say to you, look here, or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning flashes out of one part of under heaven, shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. When he shows up, you're not going to be fooled, because you're going to know it, you're going to see it, and the whole world's going to see it. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it will also be as it was in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed." In that day he who was on the housetops, and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you that in the night, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and there will be one taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, and the one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Basically saying, only half the people are going to be ready. False messiahs have always risen. But I believe what he's saying is false teachers and preachers that build on his name, that Jesus is Messiah. He's not Lord to them, but they will trick you. And during the first century of the church, the expectation of Messiah's return was very high, so they were easily fooled by a variety of people that showed up and deceived them. We should never be deceived. He said, My sheep know my voice, and none other will they follow. And I know his voice. And when he returns, it's going to be like lightning. Everyone's going to see it. They're going to know it. And there's going to be no deception. 
And it's going to be quickly. Talks about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And if you want to look it up at Genesis 6 through 9 and for Noah and Genesis 18 and 19 for Lot. Both stories about cataclysmic judgment against sin and pervasive human wickedness. Interestingly enough, both involve angelic involvement. Might be a pattern to pay attention to. And Lot's wife, even though she was given the way out, even though she was told don't look back, she did. Not sure why she looked back, but she defied God and looked back. Anyone looking back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. And what happened to her? She got turned into a pillar of salt. Some believe that that pillar is still there today. There is a salt configuration that they believe is her. Whether it is or not, I don't know. That's irrelevant. I just believe what Moses wrote in Genesis. See, in Genesis 6, the Lord said, My spirit will not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be numbered 120 years. That's how long we were supposed to live after the fall. It's progressively gone down, and we now get blessed with 70 and 80 as an excessive blessing. But it was supposed to be 120. And there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God, the Beneha Elohim, came into the daughters of men, and they bore, the daughters of Adam is what it should say, and they bore children to them. They were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. I've taught on that in the past. I've spoken at conferences. Knowing about the Nephilim and the giants, it, it's knowledge. But we know what happened because the word says so. And the wickedness that was created on the earth in those days was so great that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I'm sorry I have made them. And that's verse 7 tells me that man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air had most likely been defiled by the watchers. But verse 8 is the most important verse to hear right now. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And he begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before the Lord and filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. But Noah was different. That name Noah means rest. He was the son of Lamech, a descendant of Adam, in the line of Seth, a survivor of the flood. And that phrase, perfect in his generations, great discussion, a lot of commentaries. We're going to concentrate on one part of it. That word just in the Hebrew Sadiq, Strong's number 6662, means just, means righteous, lawful, blameless. 
He was a just man, both naturally and spiritually. And he was of the bloodline of the Messiah. Therefore, I believe it also indicated that his bloodline had not been tainted by the fallen watchers and what occurred in Genesis 6. Now, there are some that say that that's ridiculous. It does not say that, but I believe they make such a big deal about the bloodlines that it was important to God, and we shouldn't ignore it. But Noah was a man who lived in accordance with God's will, unlike the others on the earth of that day. And Moses, who is the writer of Genesis, emphasizes Noah's unusual righteousness for a man living among a spiritually degenerate humanity in his day. Psalm 147, verse 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. And that's not a a, a horrific fear. That's an awe. That's I want to please you. I don't want to disappoint you. To hope in God is to stand in awe of him. To stand in awe of his power. And to do it with the confidence that God will faithfully perform his word because he can't do anything else. He's not a liar. He can't be one. Not a practical joker. If he said it, he will do it. Therefore, our hope becomes trust in the righteous character of an almighty God. From Adam to Noah were ten generations. And if you write out the Hebrew meaning of each name from Adam to Noah, it forms a prophetic statement that prophesies the Messiah. Adam means man. Seth, the Hebrew meaning is appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan is sorrow. Mahalel, Lalel, Mahalalel is the blessed God. Jared shall come down, who came down in the time of Jared, the watchers. But the Lord also comes down. Enoch, teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, the despairing. And Noah means rest. So if we tie the word meanings together, this is what it forms. Man is appointed to moral sorrow, which indicates the fall of man. The blessed God shall come down teaching. The Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and Yeshua, the living word, came down and taught us. And his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. Those that were in despair will be given rest and comfort. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29 confirms this red letters. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened. In this case, he's talking about religious rituals that the Pharisees have put upon them that provide no peace. There is no peace in religion. There's none. The peace comes from relationship. goes on to say, and I will give you rest, refreshing for your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls. We were supposed to disciple. 
We weren't supposed to create buildings, make people sit down and listen to somebody else. We were supposed to create relationships. We were a living organism, and each one was a cell, and we were supposed to replicate. We were supposed to teach. We were supposed to comfort. We were supposed to fellowship. But these lists of names that I gave you prophetically summarizes God's plan of salvation that would occur after the fall of man and Noah. And really, when you look at this, how this lays out and says that anyone who doesn't believe that the Bible has been inspired by God needs to explain to me how some Hebrew scribes invented or happened to come up with the names that meant that a thousand years prior to Yeshua. You can't, and I wouldn't listen to you anyway. Luke 21, starting verse 34, says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day, capital D, day of the Lord, come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The church, his body, those that believe in him, including um, Messianic believers, those that are of his church, will not suffer the tribulation. They will not suffer the time of Jacob's trouble. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, over the last 12 years, maybe more, so many commentaries and teachings by very learned, respected people have recounted for us what they believe went on in the days of Noah. But we can pretty much agree sin, debauchery, and demonic manifestations were commonplace among the people that were given over to their base, sinful desires. And I would dare say we have a lot of that today. God and the things of God were rejected by everyone except for Noah and his family. Now we also have to add to that that in those days, as Genesis 6 says, the earth was filled with the presence of fallen angels and their demonic hybrid offspring known as the Nephilim. And yet, during all of that, there was still hope. Mankind, humanity, was given hope my loving Heavenly Father, through a man, Noah, untouched and untainted by the sins of that day, in Noah's purity before God, we were given another chance. See, he always works with us. He's always looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's always looking for someone he can use. And when judgment fell even on Sodom and Gomorrah, the favor of Almighty God's relationship with Abraham allowed Lot and his family to escape the falling fire and brimstone. Angels were sent 
to guide them to safety as a literal fulfillment of Psalm 91, verse 8. Because they only saw with their eyes the reward of the wicked, because it did not come near them. Noah's purity and Lot's favor are foreshadowing of the protection in favor of our personal relationship with Yeshua. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that Noah is also a cautionary tale as well. Because after the flood, things got a little complicated for him and his sons, especially Ham. But that's not what tonight's about. Through us being born again, born from above by the blood of the Lamb shed on a wooden cross. We've been given favor. That blood became the ink in which our names got written in the Lamb's book of life. And because of that, we won't see that judgment. We won't see the fire rain down. We won't see the heavens melt. We won't experience any of those things that those who've rejected him and come into agreement with Hasatan and the fallen, fallen will experience. So the message tonight has been a real simple one. Although it mentions prophecy and eschatology, although we talk about all these things, this is the message that the Lord wants you to hear. No matter how bad it seems, there is hope. We have confidence that we're not victims, but we're victors in this war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, between light and darkness. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Satan can't accuse you. The enemy can't accuse you. The world can't accuse you. You have been justified by his blood. Who is he who condemns? It is Messiah who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. No matter how bad it is, no matter what the enemy's doing to you, no matter what the voices in your head and your heart are saying, there's hope and you have to speak that out. You have to hold on to that. You have to stop speaking darkness and curses over your life. You have to stop recounting everything that ever happened to you. You have to stop making a list of all the things wrong with you and wrong with your family and put it under the blood and say, I have hope. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Satan can't do it. The fallen can't do it. The demons can't do it. The kings of the earth can't do it. The kings in the pit can't do it. The the politicians can't do it. The corrupt leaders can't do it. Nobody can separate you from his love. So there's hope. But even knowing this, and and I don't mean to diminish it. We need to know that. We need to stand in that. We can't ignore the warnings that we were given. There were warnings given to us so that the enemy couldn't steal our hope, couldn't get us to come into agreement with fear. See, just as the Lord warned about false prophets in Matthew 24 during these times, Peter warns about false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 4, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to the pit, Tartarus, Hades, they called it hell, they probably shouldn't have, but that's what the word says in New King James, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wickedness. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Folks, if you're not tormented by what you see and hear, and I I mean bothered, I mean groaning in your soul, you need to get before him and ask why. Verse 9 goes on, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. He's talking about false teachers who have corrupted the gospel and led people astray. He's talking about people that are under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. Just as it was in the days of Noah, just as it was in the time of Lot, just as it is now. People paying very little attention to God. And they face judgment because of it. And the same will be when the Lord returns. Proverbs 23, verses 17 and 18. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. So as you watch the news and you look at all these things, first of all, I'm at the point, I don't believe anybody. Right, left, middle. I believe everybody has an agenda. And it's not from above. 
And while it's good to know what's going on in the world, to be able to pray about it, but not so much so that it weighs you down and fills your mind. So as the darkness covers the earth and a deeper darkness the people, as Isaiah prophesied, don't despair. Instead, do what Isaiah said, arise and shine in full confidence that greater is he that is in you than he who is against you. Hold on to the hope that before he takes us out of the world, as he said he would, we can be more than conquerors through him who loves us and died for us. We can walk in faith and not fear. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 33, 18 through 20, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. As we're watching what's going on in the world, we're seeing things go bad. They could get much, much worse. We shouldn't panic. We should prepare as best as we possibly can, but we should trust in the Lord, for He is our hope. In Romans 15, verse 13, Paul says, Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a God of hope, and he's given you a Holy Spirit that gives you the power to hope. He knew what was going to happen. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you will go through. But your hope is not in you, or your ability to figure things out, or to take care of yourself. Your hope is in Him. He will guide your step. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you where to go. But what we're seeing, and this scripture comes to me a lot, and I've sensed it more and more. I've begun to pick up on it. We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We eagerly await for it with perseverance. The Holy Spirit is what empowers you to hope. It's not natural. It's a supernatural hope. When everything tells you to give up, when everything tells you it's not possible, the Holy Spirit tells you otherwise. But the day of the Lord will come. All of this will come to an end. All these corrupt people that we see every day, depraved, debauched people that make it very difficult to pray for them. 
But we must pray for them anyway. And I pray in accordance with the word. If they can be saved, let them be saved. If they can't, then let their own actions judge them. But there will come a day. It won't matter who's sitting in the White House. It won't matter who's sitting in Parliament. It won't matter who's sitting on a, on a throne in the Middle East on some golden chair. It's only going to matter who sits on the white throne of judgment. That's all that's going to matter. And all that stuff will be gone. None of it will have any value. Because the day of, Lord, day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And I don't believe what's said there in Second Peter chapter 3 has to do with nuclear war. I don't think he needs bombs to do it. As I've taught in, in the conferences, all he has to do is make time slow down and the molecules begin to collide with one another. All he has to do is begin to lessen his grip on the universe. And there'll be cataclysmic explosions, atomic bombs going off in the air. Horrific things happening that no one should ever want to be here to have to endure. Just as when the flood came and people began to drown. Just as in Sodom and Gomorrah as the fire and the brimstone fell and it all was wiped away. Just as it was in the days of Noah. There's hope. There is still hope. But you have to decide and I believe if you're listening, then you're looking for hope. You want the hope. You're going to hold on to it. But you really have to individually come to a place where you decide for yourself, will you have hope? Do you hope in him? Again, I'm going to tell you things are about to get very bad. They're going to get much worse. May not get better, except for the Lord. And I believe he will sustain his children. He will show us what to do and how to do it. But as far as man is concerned, as far as prophecy is concerned, as far as all the things we're seeing happening, it's going to get worse. But I can do one of two things. I can get caught up in that. I can get depressed by it. I can get angry by it. I can get caught up in all the ways to fight it. Or I can understand that he's in control. He has allowed these things to happen. Let me say that again. At any time, the Lord 
could have stopped the outcome of an election. He could have stopped every action that was made and did not intervene. He let them happen. My hope is in him. That's that's the only hope I have. My faith, my hope, everything, everything is from him. I'll still do what he tells me to do. I'll still prepare. I'll still protect. I will follow the leading of the Spirit. But I understand that my hands, my brain, my abilities are minuscule compared to what he can do for me and with me and through me. I think the best thing we could do right now, beside prayer, beside doing this, begin to lead people to the Lord. Oh, you can tell them about prophecy. You can tell them about all the hidden cabals and the Illuminati. And you can tell them about this and what this person's really doing and what's going on in this nation. But the most important thing you can tell them is how to get saved, how to get healed, how to get delivered. Because that's the only command he gave us. When you look at the example of the teachers in the Bible, the Lord himself, the prophets, the disciples, their focus was on redemption and restoration. I don't care about the bones of the Nephilim. I really don't. While it's fascinating, it it doesn't do anything for me. I, I only care about the bones of the one who sits on the throne. There are no bones in his grave. We can't find his bones. We can find the bones of all the uh, these other people that people worship, but we can't find his. Well, I study prophecy. Well, I read all these things. Well, I understand what's going on in the kingdom of darkness, specifically so that I, I understand what, what SRT is called to do about it. That's not what gets people saved, healed, and delivered. What gets people saved, healed, and delivered is the Lord, the cross. The empty tomb, the upper room. So, Father, I come to you in the name of your Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you right now, this very moment, through the sound of my voice, to stir your people up, to wake them up, to assure them, to give them hope, to get all the lies broken off of them, to get the shackles and the chains broken off of them, to get the lying spirit which are within earshot to go away. You want to drive demons out, then get in the presence of the Lord. You want to get broken of demonic bondage, get in the presence of the Lord. Create a spiritual atmosphere in which they cannot stay. Stop feeding them. Lord, I am asking you, as your servant, as your son, to set us free of all the things that hinder us, all the things that hold us back, all the things that tie us down. Give us the fuel necessary to go set the captives free, live out Luke 4.18, destroy the work of the enemy, to preach the kingdom, and then the end will come. And we'll see you face to face. And everything will be restored to the way it should have been before Adam fell. We love you and we thank you. And we acknowledge right now, we speak it out, we say there is hope. And I have it. And I have it in you. In Yeshua's name.
Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Thank you.